Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hith Bay. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Um, some kind of uh, disappointing showings from some of our duck teams. Uh, but, yeah, uh, football, when taken as a season, is still doing well and on, on an upward tick. And we have a pretty good volleyball team. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing, I, I, I the, the way that I view it is that uh, – Every Oregon season, every Oregon sport is a different beer from a great, you know, the same great brewery. And uh, some mm-hmm. are more bitter than others. Uh, I, I enjoy them all. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, you're right. Volleyball is having a, a great season and, and we'll see how far it goes. You know, maybe mm-hmm. it'll, it'll wind up, uh, you know, bittersweet season as well. Um, but, you uh, you know the, the the whole point of sports in the whole point of any competition is that is that you know there's a, there's only one champion at the end you know everybody else ends their season in loss like everybody else ends in disappointment and, and if you don't you know uh, you know the the, the disappointments are, are what makes the the you know the, the bitterness is what makes the winning sweeter like if, if you win every if everybody won all the time, it wouldn't be fun. Uh, you know, there's got to be some stakes. Yeah, and, and, uh, and all, all you ask for is uh, improvement where uh, improvement can happen and is reasonable. And, uh, you know, we could be following a whole lot worse teams than the Oregon Ducks. That's certainly true. Um, and, and teams that are in a whole lot, uh, you know, worse posture. You know, we could be we could be talking about, you know, programs or universities that only have one sport going, you know, for them. And here we are every week, you know, we talk about, you know, we, we talk about three different sports every week, you know, on this podcast, you know, twice a week Mm -hmm. now. Um, and and we're never short of things to talk about, um, uh, you know, because the, the, the ducks are competitive in everything they do. Um, soccer, um, (laughs) uh, and you know, speaking of uh, losing, make the uh, the the winning sweeter. Uh, uh, you covered uh, before uh, Oregon's uh, thrilling uh, overtime win over Michigan uh, on Saturday. You covered for the site. Uh, Oregon went down to the Emerald Coast Classic and they played uh, Santa Clara and Alabama, and they came up short against both of those teams. Uh, they scored in the 80s. You know, it's just that the opponent also scored in the 80s and you know a couple points more. Um, Oregon was pretty short-handed. Uh, you know, for both of them, Oregon's been dealing um, with the loss of Infali Dante and Nate Biddle. Um, uh, Mookie Cook still hasn't seen the floor. Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to, to 
they're trying to deal with a team that is, you know, uh, only got a few pieces of what they thought they would be, um, you know, and, and, and trying to put it together with, with freshmen and transfers and, and, and folks who had only, you know, uh, contributed a little bit last year. Um, you, you know, all things considered, uh, I, I, I thought, you know, considering Alabama was like the number 17 team in the country and Oregon took them down to the wire, uh, you know, I, I didn't think that was, you know, have better performance. I thought it actually presaged, you know, some decent things to come as we saw when they played against Michigan. Now we're, I'm going to hold off and talk to Adam about that because he covered that, um, mm-hmm. you know, for the site. We're, we're going to talk about that a little later in the week. But you covered the, the games against Santa Clara and Alabama. What did you see, you know, from this team in, in those games? Well, uh, I, I think um, Oregon obviously is a different team and has to be a different team uh, when you don't have Dante and Biddle uh, in there helping out. And that changes their uh, defensive characteristic as well. Uh, I think it kind of puts the onus on um, some accurate shooting and uh, some inaccurate shooting in spots is uh, what uh, helped to um, prevent Oregon from uh, claiming victory over Santa Clara or Alabama. Mm. And, you know, uh, I mean, when you're playing down like that, the little things uh, become big things. Um, you know, for for example, o- Oregon played uh, pretty close to Santa Clara on that the first game of uh, the Emerald Coast Classic, but they shot really poorly at the line and. Uh, uh, those are points left on the free floor. Free throw line, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, at the free throw line. Yeah, tw- uh, 12 for 21. Right. Right? They, they missed, you know, they missed nine free throws in a game decided by seven points. Yeah, you, you've left points on the floor, and uh, you kind of dug your own hole with it. Um, it any other night uh, against uh, Santa Clara, you know, um, with... Dante and Biddle in there. Um, maybe you don't shoot yourself in the foot like that, but when you're um, when you're playing with such a thin margin, um, close enough is is not going to be good enough. And you know you can point at stuff like the free throw line and say, "Hey, you gifted them the victory. You gave them those points. They didn't have to earn them." Um, it's true. On the other hand, like, you know, Jesse Zarzuela, you know, jacked the, you know, eight, eight three pointers and made one, you know, <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That didn't help. And uh, uh, Oregon's lack of three point production also uh, wasn't very good against Alabama uh, in the next game. So, um, yeah, there's there's kind of good and bad to that. They they left points on the floor, but yet they were still able to score, um, you know, eighty or more. So that's true. 
uh, you know, Keyshawn Bartholomew in, in the first game against uh, Santa Clara, you know, shot seven for 10 from the floor, including three for five, uh, you know, from, from three point range. Um, you know, Kwame Evans had a, had a, you know, pretty damn good night too, you know, five for eight from the floor, uh, including three for six from the, you know, three point range, like not a lot of points in the paint, you know, which is like, that's what happens when you're sort of out your bigs. Um, but like, uh, got a pretty decent, uh, performance from Diora off the bench. Um, you know, it's just sort of like, you know, you know, you know nothing out of Cousinard. You know, it's sort of a, you know, like it's sort of like everybody else needs to step up, and they were. And it's sort of like, you know, uh, you know, they they weren't getting everybody stepping up. You know, like, you know, Cunard wasn't really stepping up. Like, you know, Shellstad wasn't really stepping up. You know, Brendan Rigsby, who at, at times in the past had you know, and, and played a great game. You know did not, you know, have a great bench performance, you know, this game. And it's like, you know, when you're, when you're shorthanded, that's, that's what you, you know, you gotta, you know, what, what, what's it say in the locker room, right? Sometimes you, sometimes me, you know, and it's like, come on guys, you know, and, and it's, but then, you know, I actually, you know, frankly, you know, watching them play against Alabama, uh, you know, I think scoring 91 points against the numbers, not half bad. You know, like I, I, I didn't think this was, you know, considering how shorthanded they are, I, I, I didn't think this was bad at all. Like, you know, they give up a ton of fast break points. That was to me that that's what I thought, you know, really killed them. Um, you know, like I think Alabama had something like, you know, 20 or 20, you know, 22, 23, something like that fast break points, which like, you know, in, in a game that's decided like, what was it? 99 to 91, mm-hmm. you know, like. You know that's what that that's what really was killing them. Like Alabama was just like getting a bunch of bad, fast break, you know, points. Um, you know, would you know they they just couldn't stop that. But like, you know, Oregon on the other hand, you know, had a great you know great performance off the bench. You know, yeah, and it's the injury bug all over again for yet another early season, but. Uh, in spite of um, um, Biddle and Dante and Shellstad and Cook being gone, um, you know it's it, it doesn't feel the same as last season. It it doesn't feel like, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> these guys are out. We got nothing there. Um, it it does look like we have something there, and that. It can be, it it can probably only get better when some of these injured players come back. And Altman, to his credit, it doesn't. He, he's not like uh, Lanning and that kind of. Uh, uh, he doesn't have the uh, mentality that it's the uh, next man up and injuries are no excuse. And you know, on on shorter rosters. Um, they can be a, a valid reason for, um, well, yeah, I mean, dropping yeah. Hands. So, um, right. So, but, but having, having, um, those, uh, premier presumed to be premier players not playing and having the kind of offensive showing 
um, that we did is encouraging. So I, I think we're, we'll see some uh, pretty good basketball from this men's team when, when we get our bigs back and uh, you know, Shellstead is back. He's a freshman, but you know, we'll see what he can do. And, and cook is, he's recovering. He, he's not there yet. I, um, I saw on um, Matt Preem tweet today that he was dressed and on the floor uh, where he, as he wasn't even dressed during practice before oh, he's not, he's not doing anything particularly strenuous. It's not actively playing, um, but it's a sign that he's recovering and, um, yeah, maybe we can uh, see him in a, a month, month and a half's time. We'll see. You know, I, I I don't know if this is like Dana Altman coaching or just a testament to just how like you know crazy streaky basketball is as a game. But like you know, everything that we sort of complained again about with Santa Clara, you know, you know, the game against Alabama is what like one day later, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they go. 12 for 15 from the free throw line, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Cousinard, who, who, who gets three points uh, uh, against Santa Clara, uh, l- leads the game with 24, right? Uh, you know, Aquendo, a- who got one point, you know, a sing- like literally a single point, you know, he's He's fouled and he misses one of them uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, against Santa Clara. Uh, number two score was 17 against Alabama. Right? Yeah. You know? It, uh, it, it's dude, it's crazy. Dude, it's six, six <laughs> or nine from the floor makes all of his free throws. You know? like It's uh, crazy. Four blocks, stuff. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, Shellsat, you know, steps up, you know, plays off of the bench. Uh, you know, D.O.R. plays a perfect game. You know, it makes every one of the baskets he attempts and every one of the free throws he attempts. Like, you know, like, okay, guys, <laughs> do that again. You know, yeah. Like, and, yeah, and, the, and they they may have to depending on um, how long their bigs are out. You know, yeah. I mean, they're um, uh, having Biddle and and Dante out just kind of uh, changes uh, all their. Um, plays and, and what they're sure, doing. Sure, it changes and, their and defensive alignments. So, it changes, you know, the way they play in the post. It changes the way that they, you know, pass the ball around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, change, the, you know, you, they, they you get play the one three one. Yeah, like you get to practicing a certain way, and and now you have to do something different. Oh, and you have to do it sure. right now. <laughs> so, but it's know. like. You know, yeah. I mean, like on the women's side, we talk about you know what is the you know lack of Peyton Scott, you know, and the fact that they don't have a point guard, you know, like change you know their ball handling. It's like you know, it's 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 a significantly different thing to be out your post because the way that the you know that your your point guard's your entry player and your your post is sort of like your exit player, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, or like it, 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 you know, there's a centrality to it versus the 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 initiator. Um, and, and, you know, so it's sort of like, you know, different ends of the equation, like, but, uh, like, yeah, you know, you have like these sort of 
pillars of the way that you play in the way that like i don't want to say that like you know lose you know shooting guards are replaceable because like a good shooting guard is like i mean so the greatest players of all time to play basketball are shooting guards you know like um but uh, and so to say that they're like interchangeable or replaceable or or you know whatever just get a guy you know somebody who's got a hot hand that's you know obviously untrue but like they're you know they're the 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 way that they the the way that like you know bigs and point guards like hold your team together or like affect the structure of your offense and structure of your defense is like unparalleled um and like that's what Oregon's having to deal with, you know, on both the men's and the women's side. And you know, honestly, like, yeah, the, these were losses, and and Santa Clara a loss to a team that Oregon ought to outclass. Um, but like, I sort of felt like the, you know, this sort of laid the table for, uh, you know, beating, you know, for for for, for beating Michigan, which is a game that we're going to talk about in the next podcast. Yeah, and considering that uh, that you're out with uh, all those players, um, uh, neither one of them are bad losses. It's early in the season; uh, players are, are banged up, and uh, we've seen time and again where uh, the good players come back, and you know Altman starts making a run for things in yeah. in the. Uh, Pac-12 conference and in the tournament, and you know it, at least they're they're not getting blown out by twenty-five or thirty points. Mm. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some volleyball. So the NCAA tournament has started. Oregon is uh, hosting a sub-regional um they uh the for rounds one and two um they uh uh first they uh started out uh by uh uh hosting southeast louisiana um in the first round uh i believe you were in attendance yes it was for both games uh how'd that go well uh, it was about to be as expected and um uh before i get into that uh, Yes, I was in attendance, but also my son was in attendance taking pictures for me, which he's been doing for uh, you know, nearly the last couple of years that I've been with Addicted to Quack. Um, he takes some good pictures, and and uh, especially with the minor sports, you have volleyball, softball, a lot of times women's basketball, baseball. You know, it's hard for us to get general domain pictures um so his his help has been really helpful and uh, i appreciate what he does especially given the fact that he's not really big in sports at all hmm. uh he kind of takes after my dad he is and, into big into photography yeah yeah more so than than sports i mean my dad was never really into sports my late brother was my late younger brother was not into sports. Um, where I got my sports fanaticism was from my mom. My mom mm. was hardcore into football. Uh, when I was growing up, we had we had three holy nights. Lawrence Welk on Thursday, hee-haw on Sunday, and Monday night football. And I have absolutely no idea 
what any other channel was doing during Monday Night Football because we were watching Monday Night Football. Uh, in fact, in the, in the 80s and 90s, uh, she would have a couple of televisions stacked on top of each other so that she could watch different networks at the same time. And she was hardcore when it came to football. Mm. Um, but not so much uh, my son. Um, when I was uh, writing for a different publication during uh, Oregon's 2012 championship run, um, my son, who was 11, had bought himself a camera. I mean, he, he earned money and bought himself a pretty nice $350 Canon or something like that. And he had an interest in photography. And it was, it's the same problem 11 years ago. I can't find volleyball pictures or anything. So um, I said, well, you know, why don't you come out and be in the stands and take some pictures and give him some pointers on uh, taking pictures. And he, he took some pretty good pictures. And when we got to the um, uh, NCAA tournament, the, the two Oregon home games i got press passes but i also got a photo pass for him and uh when the ncaa is doing a tournament it really has nothing to do with oregon it's ncaa uh officials and and media on the court and it's their show to run so here comes this uh 11 year old kid with a press pass a photo pass and the ncaa has no idea what to do with them. <laughs> yeah, so multi-pass. <laughs> I I think they eventually decided that um, having an eleven-year-old on the floor was too much of a liability. So yeah, he took some pictures from the stands. But um, now that he's six-three, uh, that's not an issue anymore. So. <laughs> So he d- he takes pictures not because no he likes the sports player. Yeah, well he he says that the the volleyball players intimidate him because they're, they're 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 a lot of them are taller than he is. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but um, he's a good guy. Uh, he takes pictures to help dad. Well, we certainly appreciate the work that uh, the both of you do. Uh, it, the 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 background, if, if anybody hasn't heard the story, is that uh, we're contractually obligated, addicted to quack for the lead art, the the top photo that we use to to come from the certain libraries that the our parent company contracts with, and uh, unless they are uh, taken uh, and 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 the license grant, you know, by us and and the license granted, uh, uh, it's a loophole. But I found it for uh, after reviewing the entire uh, contract, which was quite lengthy. Uh, uh, these are these are the lengths that we go uh, uh, to for you, uh, so that you know because you know that there are no minor sports; there are only minor sports writers. And uh, and, and yeah, I've always liked sports your, writers. <laughs> I've always liked your paraphrase of Sir Lawrence Olivier. But go ahead. Uh, the the minor. <laughs> Minor sports writers who are working for those large photo conglomerates never made it out to the Ducks volleyball games or or some of the other sports, and uh, so we had no lead art to run for some of those um, events uh, until uh, uh, you headed out and 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 filled that void uh, for us. And uh, so yeah, we've you know all those great photos 
that have showed up that are like, hi, this stuff looks, you know, very specific to this exact event is because, yeah, exactly. It is. <laughs> it um, is. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah and- uh, we, we, we had live coverage of the 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 first round of Oregon versus uh, Southeast Louisiana at uh, Matthew Knight Arena, um, with lots of great photographs. And your article also has uh, uh, lots of um, uh, 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 Twitter uh, clips uh, of some great volleys, um, as well as uh, sort of a preview of the first couple of rounds. Um, uh, as it was assumed that Oregon would run Southeast Louisiana off the floor and well, they did. Yeah, they did. Um, the, the preview that I did was, uh, just kind of mainly focused on the ones and two seeds with Oregon, um, being one of the two seeds, of course. And that was kind of deliberate, because uh, volleyball, the volleyball tournament tends to follow chalk, uh, mm-hmm. and certainly in the first uh, couple of rounds. And um, well, there's already been one, one upset in in this re- in the Wisconsin regional, and that uh, Penn State, the five seed, beat up uh, Kansas, the four seed. And but uh, other than that, yeah, you're, you're basically right. Yeah, and. Um, there was also an upset in in Stanford's regional with uh, Arizona State um, being number eighteen in the nation, beating BYU, which was sixteen. But those mm-hmm. are those are when when you're that close, it it's not really that much uh, of sure. an upset. And the um, certainly the 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 eight one and two seeds that um i uh highlighted in in that preview have advanced but it it's a fact that uh everybody who was ranked at the end of the season 14 or higher are all in the sweet 16 sure so um that was uh that that's why i chose to um, do my volleyball preview and just kind of focus on uh, the ones and twos for now because uh, they were going to advance. They did advance. And uh, some of them did it in uh, fashion like uh, like Oregon. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, against Eastern Louisiana, um, you know, it's it's kind of it's a harder task to write about abject blowouts than oh, compet- yeah. than competitive games. I mean, and, and that was kind of the problem. Seal's aggregate hitting percentage was 0%. Like yeah. they, I, I mean, they, they had a couple who were, you know, at like, you know, 0.3 or, or whatever, but they, they also had several that were like at negative point, you know, one, yeah, you know, something or other and so it, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So that it adds up to their aggregate math hitting mm-hmm. percentage was zero. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh Oh yeah. They, they were kind of overpowered, but they were going to be, they uh, were playing on uh, what they were playing in Matthew Knight and uh, the crowd wasn't on their, their side and they were, um, 
they didn't have the size or athleticism that yeah. uh, Oregon has, uh, even though they're a good team. I mean, mm. they're a good team, but we've seen during the course of the season that um, once you get past the top uh, eight, the top 10, mm-hmm. um, you start seeing a, a, a drop-off, and, and it's not a casual drop-off. I mean, there there can be a, a huge difference between uh, number seven and, you know, number 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. So, um so yeah, it was kind of a blowout. Um, the the thing that uh, I look for in blowouts is uh, how are how's the the team doing on service errors? Because you know, like missing free throws, that's you, you've gifted the opponent points that they didn't earn. So. Um, how are you doing on your service errors? And uh, Oregon did pretty well, but um, during they only committed uh, seven attackers during the mm-hmm. entire game against Southeastern Louisiana. So, uh, so they were hitting accurately. They were hitting it in the court and. Um, and and anytime you're in a single digit range or you know close to that, uh, you've played an excellent match. So then round two uh, was against Hawaii. Um, Hawaii they ha- had uh, previously played during the regular season. They it was actually one of the first tournaments that they uh, they attended. They they flew out to Hawaii, which was the host mm-hmm. of. A tournament and basically, you know, uh, uh, you know, destroyed everybody who was out there. Yeah, it was um, the, the third uh, game of the season for uh, for Oregon. Yeah, the first set of the match was relatively close. Uh, you know, Oregon still won it, but it was you know twenty three to twenty five. Um, uh, you know, a, a few attack errors uh, in, in that first set, I think. Um, uh, uh, you know, like a little sloppy, uh, uh, but, uh, you know, they, you know, they pulled away and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and then the, just the second and the third, you know, sets were just like complete, you know, just, just completely shut down Hawaii. Um, did you see it any differently? You know, am I recounting that accurately? Um, no, other than, um, what the stats aren't going to tell you is just how good Hawaii is defensively. I mean, it, if you look at replay or if you were there at the game, uh, you saw a really fast team. And uh, there was more than a few times where they would get a dig or get the ball back into play. And, yeah, I'd, I'd be thinking, well, <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. Uh, and mm. just because it, they they might have been uh, some of the fastest defenders that I've uh, seen on the court in Matthew Knight Arena. And the thing about watching this on TV is uh, when, when the camera pans back and forth with where the ball is going, um, you you get kind of a, a different reality of movement 
than if you're just watching it and watching the players with that, with a camera moving, uh, you, you kind of lose, um, the speed uh, of defense, mm. um, cause the, the camera has been, uh, following the ball, the ball's hit, but you don't see, uh, the de- opposing defender in the backcourt, you know, suddenly tearing hell o- over in the uh, corner of the floor uh, to get that, to get that ball. Um, Hawaii's fast. They're a really good defensive team. And that's uh, certainly what kept them uh, in the game in the first set. Uh, But with both of these games, Oregon was, they they were pretty relaxed. They're about the most relaxed I've seen uh, all season. And, um, and Oregon didn't look like they were struggling at all. So they just kicked it into gear and, uh, neither team really had the, the height or, you know, Hawaii's defense, notwithstanding the, uh, athleticism of the ducks because the ducks play pretty good defense too, and they have an attack to go with it. So, so, uh, so we came up, came out with a, a couple of sweeps and yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Oregon hasn't dropped a set in the tournament yet. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, been straight six zero. Uh, they are in Wisconsin's, uh, uh, regional, which means they, they, they now travel to Madison for the, for the next phase of the tournament. Right. Yes. Yep. They'll be traveling. Uh, to Madison to uh, meet Purdue on a Thursday night. Right. So per, per yeah, they, they definitely have Purdue. And then uh, if they defeat Purdue, um, they take on the winner of uh, uh, the one versus the five seed, which is Wisconsin and uh, Penn state. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about the, um, number three ranked team in the nation at the end of the season versus the number 14 ranked team at the end of the season. Uh, They did not. uh, And I don't believe even though Oregon played, uh, they, they challenged themselves pretty strenuously in the non-conference. They played uh, a couple of Big Ten teams. Uh, they played uh, a highly ranked uh, Pitt team, you know, at Pitt. Um, uh, but th- they haven't played any of these teams before yet, right? They, they, they didn't, right. you know, they, they played Marquette in Minnesota, but they didn't play, you know, Minnesota they, or, mm-hmm. or Wisconsin. They played... Uh, Ohio State, but not Penn State uh, or Purdue, right? Right. Uh, and uh, who's the other Big Ten team that they played? They they played Minnesota, right? Um. Yes. Yeah, Minnesota. Um. So yeah, like it's you know everybody they're going to play. You know, it's the the much of the uh, this you know the top end of women's volleyball is dominated by Big Ten teams. So you know, pr- pretty appropriate that Oregon is joining, you know, the Big Ten next year. Uh, uh, you know, the Big Ten's getting a, a pretty you know pretty excellent volleyball program. Yeah, um, it's gonna be it's gonna and, be very it's gonna be very interesting 
um, and provided that uh, Wisconsin beats Penn State, which I expect that they should, um, they'll be meeting the winner of Oregon and Purdue. Um, Wisconsin's only only lost three games during the regular season. And guess which team one of their losses was against? Mm-hmm. Purdue. Interesting. So uh, Purdue's not going to be a, a, a gimme. Um, they they have a, a little bit of a height mismatch um, uh, against the Ducks. Uh, they don't have quite the height that the Ducks have. Um, but um, they're excellent defenders, and uh, they make up with some of their height with uh, athleticism. So it should be a, a really good game. Well, uh, we'll be covering that uh, for the site. Um, it's uh, it's coming up this weekend. Um, uh, uh, and assuming that uh, uh, Oregon uh, beats Purdue, you know, they'll take on the next round, and then we'll see what comes, uh, you know, recovering it as far as they go. Um, and we'll also have a preview uh, that, that you'll be writing for uh, – uh, you know, that, that should be going up on on uh, on Thursday, right? Yeah, uh, I'll talk about the Purdue matchup, but I'll also um, look into the the possibilities ahead, and also what's going on in some of the other regionals. Um, you know, for example, in Stanford's regional, they're they're up against uh, uh, Arizona State, but Houston, which um, which finished uh, number 24 in the country, took Stanford to five sets. Hmm. And, and so I don't know if uh, I didn't see the game. I, I don't know if Houston was playing out of their mind or, you know, if, if that was just a lull on Stanford's part. Um, but I'm going to be watching the Arizona State and Stanford game. And also... Uh, Washington State, which um, ended number 10 in the nation, um, plays Pitt in Pitt's regional. And that's going to be a heck of a game because Washington State's perfectly capable of knocking Pitt out of the tournament. So, I mean, Oregon beat Pitt and Wazoo beat Oregon, or at least they split that series. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. All right. So it, uh, it, that, that'll be so, some of the other stuff that I, I throw in to uh, Thursday's preview. That sounds good. Uh, all right. After the break, uh, we will come back and talk some football. So on Friday, Oregon's uh, uh, Pac-12 season came to culmination. They played uh, Washington in uh in what Las Vegas felt like was a pretty winnable game for Oregon. And then it wasn't, um, you know, the thing that was really crazy was, you know, in this, uh, uh landing versus DeBoer era, you know, they've now played three games, uh, uh, DeBoer's taken all three of them. I think you could make a pretty compelling argument that like Oregon actually outplayed Washington in the first two matches. I mean, I mean, certainly if you look at fundamental strengths, 
you know, or net success rates or, or you know, much of the advanced metrics, we, you know, bear, bear that out. And, that, and then just due to certain sort of like ephemeral, you know, factors, uh, you know, Washington sort of squeaked out the win through some, maybe some good luck, you know, or lucky ball balances or, or just like, you know, they, they had certain higher leverage plays for the ones that they won. And that was enough to, to win the game. Not really. Yeah, so or, Oregon, or, Oregon only lost by three points in each of those. Right. Games. I mean, it's all so, three games right. have been, you know, three points. Frankly, though, this, this game, you know, really, you know, not so, you know, Washington really did outplay them and, and Oregon was sort of like came back, you know, to make that game, you know, look look tighter than it you know really was it was actually sort of like two different comebacks in this game uh what did you think when you were watching this game badwater well um that was a strange first quarter and i i don't know if we've ever seen this oregon team get off totally on the wrong foot with three successive three and outs like that i mean and and it it wasn't it was it, it was three three and outs out of the first four drives. The third drive, they drove the field, but then they got stopped and, and kicked the field goal. But yeah, it was right. something like that. Right. Yeah. They, they just totally got off on the wrong foot. I mean, Nix is throwing passes at referees that just uh, <laughs> not seeing them. Um, uh, I think in your, uh, in your article, they stuck with uh, in your film review, they stuck with all pass plays. And so it was just kind of a, this uh, weird tepid start to the game. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. Like I, I sort of, it's a, it's a mix of a number of factors, all of which felt somewhat unexpected to me. Um, you know, the, I guess sort of the, the biggest the biggest surprise is that if, if, if I guess like, if you hadn't been, uh, I don't know, if you didn't, if you didn't know why Washington was having a, a sort of weird back half of their season, like if you didn't, if you weren't watching football, if you were like lived on the other half of the country and you for some reason weren't watching Pac-12 football, you were just looking at box scores and stuff. Uh, and you were like, oh, Washington like a, a you know a team like uh you know one of these teams that just keeps getting away with it you know like a, like a TCU from last year kind of team you know or mm-hmm. a Florida State in 2014 kind of team that like oh this team's actually not that good but they just keep getting away with it um and they're due for a comeuppance um like you know that it's not really true like it's it's a better team than that and it's just their quarterback was clearly dealing with this like this physical ailment and like I, I don't know what it is I don't think anybody really knows what it is you know like in Washington fans you know as as they do like we're making all sorts of different excuses you know for them which like got to be pretty galling right you know mm-hmm. to to the point where like none of this is believable Right. Like, you know, one week it's the flu and then the next week it's like, oh, it's super windy, even though the other quarterback doesn't have any problems with the wind, you know, and and, and, and then it's like, oh, it's, you know, they're playing against the Cougs and oh, the Cougs always play him tough. And, and it's like, you know, it's like every week it's some, you know, excuse with these guys. And it's like, nah, man, it's really just, you know, that 
the it, it like their their offense is predicated on certain things because you know the offensive line can't pass you know protect very well the the ball's got to be out of the quarterback's hands really fast you know to a certain read and if the quarterback's not real accurate the whole thing falls apart and the quarterback just wasn't real accurate he was just like you know the ball was sailing on him on about like a quarter of his throws like somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of his throws and it was weird because like really hard to predict when that was going to happen and because it wasn't like he was slightly inaccurate or somewhat inaccurate on all of his throws it was like he was super accurate on like most of his throws throws but then another good chunk of them it was like what the hell was that mike you know like you know just crazy pants um so anyway like that was it and because it's sort of like it's a team that's totally built around that like you know like that's why you know that's why they're sort of struggling with everything um you know with all these like bad teams and or, or like mediocre teams including like and this is the thing that's totally crazy is that like Oregon and Washington played had seven common opponents and like you can put the film side by side in fact i literally put the film side by side you know and it's like and the reason that i can uh, that i know that Oregon has better you know play in the trenches on both sides of the ball is that I've got like 14 data points, you know, in which I've got like, okay, here's Oregon's offensive line against Cal's defensive line and against Stanford's defensive line and against Wazoo's defensive line. And then repeat that seven games and then flip it around. Here's Oregon's defensive line against Oregon State's offensive line and against, you know, Stanford's defensive line against Arizona State's, you know, all the way down. Like I've got 14 data points right in which they have common opponents uh and it's like in every single one of them well no there is one exception which is they both you know absolutely slaughtered usc's defensive line because everybody does <laughs> but for the other 13 the other 13 data points it's like yeah oregon's lines are better you know uh like you know so so, okay, so surprise number one is all of a sudden Penix gets healthy. Uh, okay, so they're back to being like the passing offense they were at the beginning of the year, which is this lethal passing offense. Uh, all right, great. Uh, like, I guess, like, kind of sarcastically great, of course, that happens to the Ducks, uh, yes. but also non-sarcastically great. Like, kids don't deserve to be hurt or to be playing in pain in order to just to be experiencing pain like i mean i'm i'm happy for him that he's healthy like it just genuinely he doesn't deserve yeah. that and like oregon doesn't you know you don't like it's not how you want to win i it's just you know that it's just like from a from the prognosticators standpoint you know like i got to defend my articles right like i mm-hmm. you know or at least i feel compelled to like most sports writers don't they just sort of like blithely move on to the next thing and they never pay a price for it but anyway i feel compelled to defend my articles i you know and when sort of like i say well this is how they've been performing and then they suddenly don't perform that well i sort of feel like i need to be able to explain that but the explanation is very clear if you ever you know spent 10 minutes watching them is that like dude was airmailing passes for six weeks and then all of a sudden he's not 
And like, how, how the hell was I supposed to know that was going to happen? In fact, you know, yeah. we had the whole conversation with, you know, Roman Tomashev in which, you know, I put it, you know, straight to him. It's like, I don't know what this ailment is, but I've never seen an ailment that lasts six weeks and clears up in week seven. You know, it's either you have it for a week or two and then it clears up or it lasts months. You know, right. but like nothing that's like six weeks and then magic, you know. I, I've got and another so, like, quick question. I mean, yeah, I, I've yeah. got I've got another quick question where uh, Phoenix is concerned. Um, it seemed to me that in the previous meeting, uh, my eye said that uh, he was holding on to passes longer than uh, two seconds. And no. uh, well, I mean, same- yeah, he, he does sometimes, uh, but like the rate at which that happened in that look, man, uh, Washington's well, I, I guess- passing game in the in the October meeting versus the December meeting is identical. Like it's it's oh, identical. It, 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 like any it, it, stat that you want to talk about, pass pressure, uh, uh, time to pass, uh, receiver production, uh, uh, explosive versus efficiency. Uh, you know who's getting targeted. All of it. All of it. It's exactly the same. So every he, he was his number of passes that were uh, getting off within two seconds were st- statistically similar to the earlier meeting then, yeah right it, it, everything's the same now i mean here's the thing it's like whenever you're talking about a single game of football sort of the thing is in a single game of football is you're talking about anytime you want to drill down to any single thing you're talking about a, a tiny sample size and so anytime you're going to be like well well what about passes you know in which he's doing it you know that speed well the instant that you've you've now put two different parameters, right? Passes and at a certain speed, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, now you've drilled down to like, okay, so that's six, you know, like you, you've curtailed the sample size so small that like, I can't run regressions on that, you know? So like, sure. all I can do is just give you a head count, you know, on that, but I, I can't, you know, confidence intervals stuff like success rate or anything is the sample's too small um yeah so anyway so like that's sort of surprise number one surprise number two is sort of you know how their lines perform like and but then i i sort of drill down washington's offensive line doesn't actually perform any better in this game than in their previous games, either against Oregon or against other teams. Like I actually, you know, I drilled down and watched the film. I know it sort of feels like it did because Oregon wasn't really getting home um, in the pass rush that much. It's, it's better explained by other factors, namely uh, the quick passing, the fact that Oregon wasn't blitzing. I thought that they should have blitzed more. Um, and, uh, and the uh, 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 and the lack of Jordan Birch, who went down very early in this game, um, yeah. who I, I really felt would have like tore him up, and and, uh, and also just sort of like changes the equation, you know, in terms of like what personnel Oregon has and how they you know rotate stuff around, um, and then uh, you know, and then the other sort of the third surprise is that you know Washington really leaned into the rushing game. Now it's not a huge surprise in fact i laid it out in my article that that's what they were doing in the second half of the season although 
clear that that was sort of a response to their, their, you know, the diminishment of the accuracy of their passing game. And so when their passing game returns to full throttle, it is sort of weird that they decided to stick with their rushing game. Although, although, although back to the first hand, uh, if you're playing a team that plays a mint defensive structure, it's what you should do. Like you may recall me saying all throughout this year, like I wouldn't want Oregon to play Navy, like a mm-hmm. team that is comfortable running three yards in a cloud of dust every single, like that's the thing. Well, I mean, I, I was saying this before Oregon played a single snap before Dan Lanning set foot on campus when they, they hired, when they hired Dan Lanning, but before he had got, to Oregon, I was like, okay, so here's how the mint defense works is, you know, the, 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 it's a dump stat. If this were dungeons and dragons, like the thing that it sacrifices in order to buff up everything else is stopping three yards in a cloud of dust running because they're, what they figure is that no team in college football is ever going to, you know, win a game that way. And basically, Washington doesn't either. They have to also have a lethal passing offense to make that work. That's the thing, everybody, is that like when Washington was trying to do that against other teams for the last six weeks when they didn't have the world's most lethal passing offense, that's why they were struggling against everybody, mm-hmm. right? It's only when they're also able to combine that with a lethal passing offense that that you know, becomes deadly, um, you know, because they sort of force you, if you want to stop it, you have to try to put more guys in the box. Well, you can't do that because they have a lethal passing offense. And if you want to try to stop the lethal passing offense, you've got to have a light box. Well, now you can't stop three yards in a cloud of dust, even though their offensive line is not that great. And this is the thing that like people are a hard time wrapping their heads around is that like, man, if you're, playing a mint defense that has six dudes in the box and you don't have your best rush defensor and also they have a running back who is gonna you know muscle through contact for like you know for an extra two yards that's how a line that's only picking up two adjusted line yards which like i swear to god look at the advanced stats i'm not the only person who's charting games look at the advanced line stats the line is not picking up those yards. It's Dylan Johnson. He's running through contact. Like they get him maybe two yards at most. And then he runs and the, or look at the clips in my article. Like they're very clear. Like there's this beautiful overhead shot in which Oregon has shut down the line and the dude that Dylan Johnson is running through in order to get four yards and convert the third and three is his own dude that Tatum Tuiati has shoved into the run gap. Like Tatum Tuiati has defeated the block and has shoved the blocker into the run gap. And then Johnson runs over his own man in order to pick up the conversion. And if you don't believe me, do the thing that I say in every one of my podcasts, read my article. It's right there. So, you know, I, I got some flack from somebody in a, about a forum about how I need to shut up about how Scott Huff is actually this great offensive line coach. And it's like, dude, I'm watching tape and you're not. 
and, and and furthermore you're not even reading my articles because like i'm i'm putting all the clips that that you need in order to to understand like the offensive line's not what's doing that like it's it's the structure of uh, of of the defense it's what the uh it's 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 what their running back is willing to do it's what their offense is willing to do and it's combining it with you know a passing offense that you know basically can't be stopped uh and certainly not with the way and this is where I'll, I'll i'll go back and actually offer some criticism for oregon's coaching staff i really don't like and i've been saying this for i got like eight weeks now uh since the wazoo game when they've made this like Look, you know, so when Brian Addison, I don't really understand what's going on with him, like mm-hmm. any sense to enter, enter the transfer portal. Yeah. They've been making a decision about how to play their safeties in a way that I just don't understand. Like, they they decided to take uh, uh, um, Nico Reed out of the, the slot corner position and convert him to be a backup outside cornerback. And they've been playing Taishim Johnson as like a hundred percent of the snaps in the slot. And then they've been having, you know, as their deep safeties, a hundred percent of the time, Steve Stevens and, uh, and Evan Williams. And we, what that just describes is three dudes who can't cover. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's a, it's a really bad situation. What they should have been doing, you know, for the last six weeks, including this game or seven weeks is read in the slot, uh, 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 Johnson as the deep safety, Stevens, you know, uh, uh, you know, Stevens playing boundary and, and Williams on the bench, especially with the club on his hand. Um, cause Johnson can play deep and, and Stevens, you can fake as a boundary safety. That's what he was doing for two years. And, you know, he's quicker than Williams is. And, uh, and and Reed is actually a corner, and a corner is what you needed uh, in this game, um, you know, playing inside. And the, and the way that Oregon structures their defense, I mean, I put clips of this in my article. And, I, and frankly, I've been putting clips in my articles of this every week of Taishin Johnson playing in the slot and getting beat. Like mm-hmm. every week, like every week. And every week I'll get on this podcast and talk about, like, stop doing this. And... Like, I don't, I mean, I guess they don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. why should they? But it's like, I mean, I saw this coming a month and a half ago. Kind of makes you wonder what's uh, going on behind the scenes that's leading to. Well, what's going on behind yeah. the scenes is that Oregon hasn't had good safeties since uh, Verone McKinley and Javon Holland left. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's really hard, I guess. It's really hard to get them. But like they had a better solution than this, uh, and, and like I don't know what's happened with Addison. Like I, 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 I apparently it's like a personal thing, which like I don't, you know, people have stuff that happens in their lives. I, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate. I, I don't want to cast aspersions. I, I don't, I don't know what's sure. happening. He's just not. He's he's no longer on the team. Uh, yeah. They had a. It, it would still be suboptimal. It's still not what would be necessary to win a national championship. That's only something that they're going to be able to solve through changing out this personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it doesn't change the fact that they they had a better solution than this. And it's been apparent for a month and a half. 
that that this wasn't adequate and that this was going to happen. Yeah, so uh, what were you seeing with Oregon's offense? Well, part of it, I mean, honestly, part of it is sort of like, look, man, like you can, like sometimes the ball hits the ref, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. some of it's sort of like bad luck, you know, like you go three and out. Mm-hmm. But like, I do think that, you know, Oregon, uh, Oregon does have a rushing advantage over uh, Washington. They, they, and they just weren't, leveraging it like they didn't like until midway through the third quarter their instantaneous rush rate was in the mid seven or excuse me instantaneous pass rate was in the mid 70s it mm-hmm. was like you know three out of every four plays were was passing um i also think there's probably something going on with bucky irving because like james was just you know james was just rushing according to the run scheme and like, like I put clips in my article of, of Irving, like that's not the lane, man. You know, like the lane's right there. Like that's open grass. I mean, I, I, I mean, I say it every week. There's clips in my article. Like I, I I'm documenting it. Like the, go there. So I don't, I don't know what's going well, on there. He, and he's looked like he's thing. been been playing injured for a few games. Yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, obviously he was. Off and- yeah, and the you know, but like I don't under like I don't understand then why James only got six carries. You know, yeah. I don't understand the ratio between James and Irving, and I don't understand the ratio of rushing to passing. And then within the passing game, you know, one of the things that I documented was you know Washington is 118th in the country in giving up deep shots. Like, and they were giving up deep shots to teams that don't do deep shots very well, like Stanford and Utah, like every team, literally every team hit between one and three deep shot. And I mean like deep, like 35 plus yards mm-hmm. with the exception. And I mean, literally every team, Boise state, Tulsa, Michigan state, every team, um, Cal, I mean, every team with the exception of Oregon state, which was the rain game. Yeah. hit hit between one to three thirty five plus and it's not because they have brilliant offensive coordinators who set it up with horizontal stretch plays. Like I spent a lot of time in my review articles of Oregon over this year writing about how I really like the way that Stein will layer and sequence his offense to sub you know, constraint plays and set up RPOs with, you know, horizontal stretch plays. And so that, you know, when the vertical vertical stretch play comes, it's an integrated part of the offense that like really knock the, you know, where the defense doesn't see it coming, you know, and that they hit this, this thing and it's beautiful. And, and, and I put this clip compilation where it's like, you don't need to do any of that against Washington. They just can't cover the deep ball. Just, you know, just do the Uncle Rico thing and throw the ball over the mountains, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll just give it up. And like, I had some Washington troll in my, you know, Twitter was like, why did you even put this together, man? Oregon doesn't do that. And I'm like, Oregon literally did it three times against them. And every other team did. They totally have the capacity to do that, and they ought to. And, and you know, it's going to be linked in my 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 preview article, and, and I will talk about why. 
And then, like, Oregon finally does at the end of the game. In, like, the fourth quarter, they, they hit two big ones, you know, against them to get back into the game, you know, to, to make it tight, right? Like, the, 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 the long run by Holden, where he goes for 63 yards, mm-hmm. is that's, at, that's a 37-yard air yard pass that he then carries the rest of the way, right? And right. then before that, there's a 30, it's a 33 yard pass to Irving down the sideline or no, uh, James down the sideline, right? Where they leave him open because, you know, because look, you can manipulate the Washington's defense. Like it's, they, they can't, their coverage guys are good in short areas. This is the thing that I was trying to explain. I tried to explain in my article. I tried to explain in my review article. I, I've, I've written four articles about Washington, like, and it's like, you don't need to do all of the sequencing. You just take the deep shot against them. And then, you know, what does Oregon come out and they do, do? They do a bunch of the horizontal stuff. Well, Washington's defense is like Cal's. And like, I, you know, just like I wrote about with Cal, where it's like, parad- I mean, I wrote the same thing about Cal, where it's like, paradoxically, they want you, because they, they try to keep the play in front of them, they want you to try to keep it short. But what you should do is just throw it over the top. You should just do run, run, play action, throw it over the top against them. It's the same thing against Washington. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's just like, you should do the Big Ten thing, man. You should run the ball more, and then you should throw it over the top. And so Oregon does the opposite against them. They don't run enough, and they don't throw the ball over the top enough. So that was my offensive criticism. Yeah. I was just like, did you not watch film on these guys? Yeah, I mean, I did. Uh, yeah, plenty of guys. So anyway, do. there's a whole lot of like, there's a whole lot of like criticism that I found when I came up for air that's floating around about like about a couple different things, all of which I thought was sort of misplaced. You know, one of it, or well, about a bunch of different things. So one of it was like, oh man, Washington's line suddenly became these you know juggernauts. They didn't. Uh, on the other hand, you know, there there was a whole bunch about like. You know, what I didn't see on the other hand was just like, <clears throat> you know, Penix returning to form. It's not like he was like, I really, really doubt this explanation that like, oh, he's in his head or it was like he was emotional trauma or whatever. It's like, no, nah, I mean, he clearly just had a physical ailment that he got over. Yeah. I really, I mean, I'm, I'm not his doctor or anything, but it's like, you know, it's clearly just got over it. Uh, and I mean, yeah, good. But well, I've had I've had a cold. On the other hand, all the stuff about Oregon getting uh, so I I can imagine what it's like for an athlete. I'm no athlete. Uh, other, and, and, oh, Oregon's effort wasn't there. They're playing tight, or a bunch of like I don't know, man, like a bunch of like 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 the the sort of psychological stuff about effort or whatever. And I'm just like, nah, man, structural. Like, just watch the film. Like, oh, man. I, I I did think that in the sense of, like, Washington came out with a better game plan. Like, sure. Like, they did in that they played the game plan that they've been playing. They, they came out with a better game plan in the sense that they played their game plan. And Oregon played a dumb game plan. Uh and so, therefore, if if you play a game plan that caused you to go twelve and zero, 
and your opponent plays a dumb game plan, that means that you play to get a better game plan than your opponent did. But it's not because Washington were geniuses, because Oregon was dummies. Like, they strategized poorly for this game. Um, I, I think some of the tactical stuff that they did in terms of how they like what Lanning said during that like coaching little coaching mini interview in which he's like, we got to keep throwing, changing the picture, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like what he's talking about is different pass rush schemes, you know, like they're, they weren't just like rushing the same pass rush thing every time, which is true. Like it was actually a pretty incredible variety. Um, and, and they were actually genuinely getting like a lot of different kinds of pressure um, uh, against them. It, it turns out not to matter because is like true Penix and true Washington receiver core. Like it, they, they get the ball out so fast to such big plays in, in with that uh, system that your pass rush is kind of irrelevant. Like in my, in my, in my preview article, I said over the last six weeks that number has changed or the equation has changed. And now it makes more sense to blitz, but like mm-hmm. I, what I didn't know is that, oh, oops, like they're, they're now, they've returned to the early season form in which that's no longer the case. And so my earlier advice to the team then should have like kicked back in that being, nah, man, like rush three and drop eight into coverage. But then, but then you can't do that because Washington was willing to lean on the run. So that's why, so that's why, you know, that's why I'm saying like Washington had a good game plan. You know, it basically makes, you know, the fact that they were willing to run for three yards and also have a passing offense that can hit big plays in two seconds to their pass rush is like immaterial means that that offense is basically unstoppable. Like, like there's almost nothing you can do against that offense. The only thing that you can do is outscore them and outpossess the ball against them, which Oregon actually came close to doing. They just needed a smarter strategy and, and to be luckier than they were. Uh, you know, they need to have Nick's not, you know, through that stupid interception, you know, they, 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 they need to, to have a better like plan when it came to the run and pass balance, they needed to hit more explosive passing plays, you know, against a secondary that, you know, like I put clips in my article about like, uh, I don't know. I, I read my article. I, I documented what I thought they should have been doing. Like uh, you had to outscore them. You, you just had like the way that they're with, with that offense, you just had to outscore them. And and Oregon needed a better game plan uh, than that. Uh, that's enough about that. We'll uh, uh, we have a little hiatus from football. We'll uh, we'll talk about some basketball and stuff. And uh, Oregon is uh, going to go to the Fiesta Bowl and play Liberty. So I've been gathering up some tape, and uh, I'm I'm going to take some time to watch that. Uh, um, uh, uh, and, and we'll talk about them a little later on in December. Uh, but for now, do you have any parting words of wisdom for us, Badwater? No, not really. Kind of looking forward to um, the podcast between you and Adam so we can hear one last rant about college football b- before we go up against Mighty Liberty. But we mm-hmm. still have a fantastic volleyball team. 
and uh, they play on Thursday and possibly beyond. Um, so we're still in some sort of championship hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the championship never ends, uh, or the hunt for one uh, never does anyway, but it never rains on this podcast. 